Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Tuesday, September 28th, live from my apartment and somewhere in Los Angeles. This is the Ben Jarofsky Show. I am DJ Nate, filling in for the one and only Dr. D. Today on the program, we have Alderman Scott Wagisback. And now, your host, Chicago Reader columnist, Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this It Takes a Village Tuesday, and here's why. Because it's literally taking a village, ladies and gentlemen, the village millennials to set me up. As you all know, I had to do the show for a couple of weeks while I'm in Los Angeles because I'm about to be a grandfather. Yes, indeed. This old man is about to be a grandfather. My guest is giving me a thumbs up sign. All right. <laughs> when I met this guest, my kid was baby, man. That's how long I've known this guest. But I'm about to be a grandfather. So my wife and I came out to L.A. to help our uh, daughter and our son-in-law uh, bring the new one into the world. So we set up operation from this uh, bed and breakfast somewhere in Los Angeles. And ladies and gentlemen, all of a sudden, everything broke down. Microphone broke down. Headphones broke down. Computer broke down. I got millennials scurrying all over Los Angeles trying to help me out. I'm setting up backup rooms to do the show from. I got like three backup rooms, Scott, all over Los Angeles. And then I start the show today, and Scott is in the sound check goes, I can't hear you, Ben. My whole life, I've been a loudspeaker. No one has ever said, Ben, I can't hear you. Anyway, somehow or other, we stitched together. I want to shout out to all the millennials and my wife uh, who helped me. Before I bring Scott on, I just want to say one thing uh, about the Bears game. I promised I would do this. The Bears were absolutely dreadful yesterday, ladies and gentlemen, or excuse me, on uh, Sunday. Uh, and they got obliterated in one of the most embarrassing uh, spectacles I've ever sat through. I don't know if Scott Wagespeck, my guess is a Bears fan, so I don't know if he watched it or not, but it was awful. And I've been a Bear fan since the mid-1960s. And uh, it was just a disgraceful display of ineptitude. Uh, and so the real challenge in the aftermath was how would the Sun-Times and the Tribune handle the headlines? You know, we have headline battles on the show all the time. Eric Zorn, dear friend of the show, uh, sent me a gloating email. Eric Zorn may no longer be a columnist at the Chicago Tribune, but apparently he has Chicago Tribune ink running through his veins. He still loves his tribunal. And he sent me uh, a, an email that said, um, uh, what did it say? Let me go uh, where I'm going to get this Eric Zorn and the headline battle. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, it doesn't look good for your bright one, Ben. Yes, you're right, Eric. My beloved bright one, the Chicago Sun-Times, got trounced by the Tribune. Here's the Sun-Times headline. Uh, it says, a sack feeling. Like a sad feeling, only sack, because the quarterback was sacked a bunch of times. And the Tribune said, sad sack. Eric wrote, I think your beloved bright one lost the headline battle. Eric, I think you're correct. Come on, Sun-Times. Get your game together, all right? 
just a little diversion there. All right, without further ado, uh, I'm going to bring on my guest, Alderman Scott Wagespeck, uh, Finance Committee Chair, Alderman of the 32nd Ward since 2007. I can't believe the years have flown by so fast. I remember when he was a baby-faced kid running against Ted Madlack, won it in a uh, runoff. It was a heated election. He was definitely somebody that nobody sent. Scott Waggis back, and now I'm looking at him on my screen, and he's sitting in Ed Burke's old office. <laughs> Scotty, I, I'm just stunned to see you sitting in that office. So first of all, welcome to the show. Thank you. And I, I am sitting in his office, but I, got, I did get a new chair. So What happened to the old chair? Uh, it was green, like everything else. So I just I made a couple changes. That's all. Brought my old chair in here and had to get something new there. But yes. Well, there's nothing on the wall, so uh, you might throw up a picture or something. I'll throw up a picture of Ed Burke in a dartboard. Um, <laughs> but let's let's just uh, before we get started with the, we have a lot on the agenda to talk about Scott, and I ran through it very briefly before we went on the air. We want to talk budget. Uh, Scott's chair of the finance committee, so the entire city budget will go through uh, his committee. There'll be hearings. Uh, I want to talk uh, Jim Gardner. I'm just listing these things before we get started so I don't forget them. And you remind me, Jim Gardner, of course, the alderman of the 45th Ward, Ann Emerson, a key aide to the Finance Committee, uh, was one of the women insulted by Jim Gardner. She came on my show about two weeks ago. It was a really uh, good interview. I urge everybody to check it out. So we'll get Scott's thought on Jim Gardner's apology. We got to talk about Lifeguard Gate. Somehow or other, the life the Park District has allowed Mike Kelly uh, to still remain as co- chief superintendent uh of the general superintendent of the park district, even though this uh, horrific uh, sex scandal with the lifeguards has been going on for months. Give a shout out to Dan Mialopoulos at WBEZ for doing a great job uh, with uh, breaking that story. And then, of course, why don't we start here? Uh, Just on a personal note, uh, an old friend of our, well, I'll just say an old friend of mine got in a lot of trouble, Alderman Rick Munoz. Uh, He's come to the hideout show scott uh, many times that mcdumkey and i had at the hideout i think you may have been on stage with him once maybe not i can't remember you've been on our stage but i don't know oh yeah, yeah. Uh, i know he was an old friend and an ally of yours he was the chair of the progressive caucus and then he lost his way i think the alcohol got the better of him uh and he started pilfering uh from the uh the Progressive Caucus Fund, man. It doesn't get much lower than that. Uh, and uh, he pled guilty yesterday. Why don't you talk a little bit about your thoughts watching your old colleague, your mentor in some ways, Rick Minos, uh, pleading guilty. Go ahead, Scott. Yeah, it was it was very disappointing. Um, you know, we kind of figured out what was going on a couple of years ago, um, you know, shortly before he got in trouble uh, with the feds. And um, I think the the problem was, as a lot of all the men or colleagues have said, and, and people who knew him was he hit the bottle and he went quickly downhill. And um, I don't, he, I think he would say it's not an excuse, but it did affect his, uh, his work as an alderman. I think it affected his work within the caucus. And it was really sad to see, um, you know, what happened yesterday. He's, he's, going to go to jail, most likely. Um, I don't recall if they they gave a certain amount of months, uh, might have been 10 or more. But, you know, it's just really sad to see any elected official that has a duty to the public um, going down that path. And I knew that he was getting ready to retire anyway. Um, so I, it was really 
sad to see that we were kind of being misled there, kind of really being misled. And um, I was running the caucus at the time and I, I should have had closer tabs on what he was doing. Um, you know, but as a caucus, as a group, we, we, we thought that we were in good stead and we weren't, and that led to his demise. Um, so it's really just sad to see somebody who I think had done a pretty darn good job on a lot of different issues. Um, he was always at the forefront saying, hey, you want to push the button on this? You want to, you want to go after um, some of the policies of the daily administration and the manual administration? So in that sense, he was really a great person to work with. I think it was when he started drinking more heavily, um, that was his downfall. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll just say this uh, as well to what you uh, add on to this. I knew Rick uh, outside of the realm of um, politics. Uh, both our kids went to the same high school at the same time, and we used to go to basketball games. His son played basketball. My daughter played basketball. And we had an agreement that we were just going to be dads in the gym. And we would talk back. He's an obsessive basketball. He's a sports yes. fan. The guy knows his yep. sports. And we said so we used to talk sports and kids. And we really talk politics when we're in the gym, you know. And uh, I really like Rick. And it hurt really bad because, you know, the Progressive Caucus, ladies and gentlemen, just to set this up in context, uh, back in the day when Scotty was running the Progressive Caucus and Rick Minos was there and Joanna Klonsky was the publicist, this group was on the outs. This group was like the old-fashioned independence. It's the remnants of independence. This group didn't have a lot of um, clout. Didn't have any juice at all. I don't think there were any progressive members of the Progressive Caucus, Scott, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, who were committee chairs, for instance. No, never. And that was that was a thing. I mean, you would never get any committee chairs. Um, and you resigned yourself to that fact. You, you wouldn't get any extra um, of the not even extras, but like the benefits that other aldermen were getting. Um, you were often called last on budget hearings. You you were basically relegated to the back seat. You couldn't get hearings on anything. Unlike now, you know, the mayor, we, we can talk about this later. The mayor's really opened the door. When I look at the committees now, um, we call on the new aldermen, the freshman aldermen, we call on progressives, whoever it might be. And there's a lot of parity there. So a lot, and hopefully that stays that way for, for the future, but um, it is night and day. I don't think anybody realizes how much difference there is between just two to three years ago and, um, and now, and, you know, in all those prior years, I think you're right. I mean, we, you couldn't even get called on half the time, or if you voted the, the wrong way against Daly or, uh, or Rom, you got mocked or laughed at. And, um, you know, going back to like the parking meter deal, you know, you couldn't even provide an opinion on that kind of stuff. Wait, before we go any further, please tell us. You're, you're going to go, oh, Ben, come on, don't make me tell it again. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Scott Wag is back. Baby Alderman, he's his freshman year. Mayor Daly runs the world, city of Chicago, okay? So you have this baby Alderman, his freshman year, he's the 32nd ward. Follow me, those people. You could do the math. That means he's sitting in the city council next to the alderman of the 33rd ward, and that would be one Richard Mel. Yeah, back then it was Richard <laughs> Mel. It was not my girl, Rosanna Rodriguez Sanchez. It was Richard Mel. And so they're having a vote on basic. This is a vote. This is a vote that took place in the Chicago City Council, ladies and gentlemen, in your lifetime when you weren't paying any attention. The vote was to essentially give a blank check. <laughs> To blank check to Mayor Daly to finance the Olympics. Scott wanted to vote oh. against it. We had been talking about it. I go, Scott, you got to vote against it. He was like, I'm ready to vote against it. And 
it would have been 49 to one. So I'm not going to kill you, Scott, for voting for it. But talk about what Mel was whispering in your <laughs> ear as they came close. Come on, just tell the people. What was Mel Well, it was kind of like, uh, to paraphrase, it was sort of like, you want them to uh, blame you for when they don't get the Olympics? You know, the president of the United States supports the Olympics. And you're going to go against the president? And um, it, it kind of went a little further and he's leaning and people were coming up to me and like kneeling down, just saying, please, please. And there, were, there was a point where Daly was given his speech and I kind of felt that he so he was given a speech to say, we need the Olympics, you know, and the Olympic people were there. They had athletes there. And I was the lone holdout. I think Manny Flores was with me until the night before. And so I was kind of Honestly, I was cringing. I was thinking, oh, good Lord, it's going to be 49 to one and I will get destroyed. Um, and Dick Mel leaned over and he was like, they'll kill you, man. They'll kill you. <laughs> and I <laughs> and I just looked at him like, what? He goes, they'll kill you, man. Something like that. And I said, all right, I don't think I don't think we're going to beat uh I don't think we're going to beat Spain or the other the other countries that were going at that time. If you remember, I think it was Spain, Brazil. There was somebody else, uh, the fourth one. And they were all making deal, deals for F-16s, you know, like major military arms deals. And I was kind of like, the only thing we have to offer are Vienna hot dogs. So, all right, uh, I don't think we're going to win, so I'll vote for it. And yes, I capitulated, but I also preserved my life. So Yeah, no, I think it was a smart move. Uh <clears throat> I mean, you know, it's funny listening to your recollection. Uh, yeah, the other countries <laughs> got a lot more money. And Chicago, you know, was so infatuated with Daly in those days. Yeah. Uh, and he was so powerful that the prevailing wisdom in the city of Chicago was that, of course, we're going to get the Olympics. Or maybe it will be one of two. It's going to come down to us in Brazil because Mayor Daly wants it. And Mayor Daly is like the sun god. Whatever he wants, he gets. And what people in Chicago didn't realize is that you just live in Chicago. It's just one city in the state of Illinois. It's a big world out there where Mayor Daly is not the sun god, okay? I remember, yeah. Well, I remember they ran. They were late to the actual announcement in, in the big uh, IOC conference where they had the other countries all lined up and they're, they're like ready to punch the ticket. And here's the, there's video of the Chicago guys. I mean, we were out of our league. Essentially, they were they were running down a hallway trying to get there in time for the announcement, only to be hear the words, you know, fourth place, Chicago. And it was like, boop, boop. Chicago got drowns. Come on, Chicago. Stop crying. Little baby. Hey, the, the good thing is we got the Bulls. So, hey, I'll, I'll throw you if the Bears are sucking gas, the Chicago Fire, which I'm a huge Chicago Fire fan. Um, they're sucking gas. At least we got the Bulls and uh, Lonzo Ball and. Dero, Levine, Zach Levine. I think they're ready to go this year. Uh, I'm ready. I'm with you. Uh, championship in uh, Grand Park this June. Everybody get ready. All right, let's put the sports aside. Uh, one of the interesting things I've seen, Scott, in the Chicago City Council uh, since Lori Lightfoot took office, I welcome this, get your thoughts on this, um, is that many of the aldermen are using some of the same tactics that the machine aldermen used against the Progressive Caucus that we were just alluding to Uh and they do it all the time, and it forces the mayor to be nimble and quick on her feet and call new meetings all the time. But I don't object to it. I think this is my opinion. I'd love to hear your opinion. It's called, uh, you know, a, a second independent branch of government, which we need in Chicago, legislative branch. 
So like when uh, Jeanette Taylor tag team with Raylo uh, to postpone, I forget what the initiative was. It may have been the Corporation Council. There's been so many. I, I did not get upset by that at all. There was a meeting. Mayor Lifer called a meeting within two days and she got what she wanted anyway. Um, but uh, to me, it's a sign of a little more independence on the Chicago City Council, which is what you were advocating when you were chairing the Progressive Caucus. Now that you're uh, an ally of Mayor Lori Lightfoot and you're in the Finance Committee chair, how do you view it? Do you agree with me or do you more sympathetic with Mayor Lori Lightfoot on this one? Well, actually, I think it depends on what the issue is. And, and that issue of the hire for Celia Mesa, who was the corporation counsel, the Latino caucus actually really endorsed that because they wanted the first Latina ever to be the corporation counsel. And a lot of people looked at that particular one as sort of an underhanded way to, to tell the mayor, um, you know, on a completely separate issue of uh, settlements, they were attacking the personality of that um, corporation council. So in that particular one, I thought it was very wrong. Um, there was no direct correlation there. And it was sort of like, well, we're just going to give a little smackdown to this woman who had worked her way up, you know, to be the first Latina ever to be corp counsel. Uh, honestly, I thought that was the wrong way to go about it. And there were only two people who really joined in. Um, the Latino caucus was very upset, but um, I'll be honest, I think there's other moments where that is appropriate, where, you know, let's say um, the mayor's, uh, if, if the mayor were trying to jam through the ordinance on forfeiture uh, overnight, I would say, yeah, that's a good, that's a good place to do a defer and publish. Um, but I think what we've done, I'll, I'll give you another example. With the finance committee, they had municipal lending ordinance um, and we held it up for almost a year in the finance committee. But at the same time, we were working with all the departments involved, with the comptroller, with the banks, and with all the progressive aldermen to say, what did we want to see an improvement? And so we kind of took a different tack, telling the mayor, like, we're not going to pass this thing and we're not going to go forward. But, um, you know, so you're going to have to hold it in the, in the committee. So there's ways to do it. I don't, on that particular one with uh, the corp council, I don't think anybody knew that they were going to do that either. And in the old Progressive Caucus, we would always talk beforehand and say, hey, um, here's an ordinance that we think we should defer and publish. And um, what's our strategy to slow that down or have additional hearings? And we haven't seen that in the Progressive Caucus. Well, this was definitely, uh, not to go back to relitigate this one, this was not most definitely not a Progressive Caucus uh, decision. It was uh, Jeanette Taylor. Uh, I'm a big fan of Jeanette Taylor, as you probably know, Scott, uh, tag teaming with Raylo. Raymond Lopez of the 15th Ward is a good friend of the show. And so it was kind of an unusual uh, odd couple, uh, to put it mildly, because Raylo is really conservative. I don't know if you know that. Uh, yeah. He's, <laughs> come on, Raylo. He, he swears up and down he didn't vote for Trump. He's been on this show. I didn't vote for Trump, but I don't know, Raylo. Uh, and uh, Jeanette Yeah, Taylor, but he's on the TV show, that one dude that's really bad. What's his name? Uh, oh, boy, Tucker Carlson? Tucker Carlson, yeah, yeah that's, his, that's his favorite guy. He's got him on speed dial, Tucker Carlson, yeah. here with me from the 15th Ward <laughs> in the city, city of... He probably doesn't even know what ward he's from. He's just that alderman. Uh, but uh, anyway, so, yeah, that was... I, I was with Jeanette Taylor on that one 100% uh, because I just didn't like how the city was treating Jeanette Young. Uh, but what, as I, to yeah, the undoubtedly, point, yeah, that's, that's a huge issue, but that has to be resolved in uh, the committee where we 
talked about settlements and um, where we try to have very open conversations with with all the lawyers on those settlements. So, um, you know, you got to be careful. You also have a fiduciary duty to the city, you have an ethical duty, and we have to always keep that in mind. And my predecessor, whether that happened or not, that's that's something else. But that's what I always try to speak to my new colleagues about. All right, let's get into your predecessor and the way things have changed. Uh, in the old days, uh, when it was uh, Rahm and Daly, uh, and your predecessor, of course, Ed Burke, Finance Committee Chair, and the uh, mayor's uh, floor leader was Patrick O'Connor, the 40th Ward, they would want to see votes of 45 to 5 or 48 to 2, which is at the Alderman of the City Council, ladies and gentlemen, you do the math. In other words, overwhelming votes in favor of the budget. Uh, things have been different under Mayor Lori Lightfoot. And again, I applaud this. I applaud democracy in the city of Chicago. And I don't mind that the mayor has to scrap, scrape and scrap to get 26 votes to pass her budget. How do you view it, Scott? Do you take it, like, do you want to see 48 to twos and 45 to fives? Or are you okay with 26 to 24 if necessary? Uh, I'm actually okay with it. And I know that the mayor got, um, maybe last year, there were a couple times where she got upset on some of those. And my discussion with her and her staff was basically, hey, um, if people are voting their conscience and um, they see something majorly wrong, it's up to you guys to convince them otherwise or find some other way to get them on board, something that might be appealable to them, say in a budget uh, vote, you know, that we have coming up here. I think this year when for instance, when you look at this budget, it is a great budget. It is the best budget I have seen in all my years here because it really uh, pumps money where we where we wanted it for a long time. So if you see a budget like that and you get the 40 to 10 vote, I think that's fine. Um, and really, I don't mind when there's some of these close votes. We've had a lot of close votes on settlement issues. We've had a lot of close votes on um issues in the finance coming out of the finance committee. And I've held, uh, contrary to the wants of the fifth floor, I have held a lot of stuff in committee when they were kind of like, Hey, pass this thing. And I'm kind of like, no, my colleagues want more discussion on it. So we're just going to hold off. And they're like, uh, okay. You know? And so what we're saying there is just more discussion. Um, if we need more legal explanations or policy explanations, let's do it. And then we can come back with a vote the next month or the next week. And, and actually, I think you're right. It has actually worked out pretty well. I mean, it makes us all work harder, but um, it's, a, it's a lot less, um, you know, Dick Simpson, he'll still pick the votes that he wants to put into his um, council voting piece that every year. But I would kind of want to see how many of those uh, contrary votes get into that, that, you know, if I were to pick and choose, um, you know, you can talk about a half a dozen things in there that have been held up by us just to counter what the mayor was wanting to do in terms of speed passage. Do you get any uh, trash talking from uh, Ed Burke, uh, the former chair of the finance committee? You know, like where he says, you know, when I was chair of the finance committee, it, we didn't have dissent. It was 45. Does he ever do any trash talking like that? No, not to not to me. He has tried to play with the rule book a little bit, you know, where he's sort of like, well, 40 years ago when I was messing with Harold Washington, this is what we did. And we're going to do it again today. And it's sort of like sit down. You know, that's not what the rule is. Um, 
And there's been a couple of aldermen who uh, have already been mentioned that, you know, were saying, well, you know, when Ed Burke was the chairman, we used to get this or we used to get that. And I said, well, that's very interesting because I never saw it when I was alderman. So were you getting something that the rest of us weren't? Or the fact is we weren't getting it at all. You know, pockets of information, data, um, things that were being shared. We share more information out of this finance committee now than I think most aldermen can keep up with. And um, it's you know, a, kind of a badge for us that Ann Emerson working with me, Owen Brew, we pump out a lot of information that we hadn't seen in the past. So I don't think there's much argument there from folks like him to say, you know, the way we were doing it before was better. All right. Well, let's um, let's get to the budget. You say it's the best budget ever uh, in the city of Chicago. And uh, Ray Lowe would disagree with you, I'm pretty sure. Alderman Raymond Lopez of the 15th Ward. Uh, his point is that the uh, city of Chicago has been a beneficiary of a uh, federal assistance for COVID relief. And without that co- federal assistance for COVID relief, the city would be facing the same old problems of huge deficits and raising taxes, property taxes uh, to make to pay its bills. And we won't have this uh, huge COVID assistance next year. So it's a one time deal. Uh, we got to spend the money more, money more wisely. What's your response uh, to that criticism from Raylo? That's interesting coming a guy who voted for every one of Rahm's budgets without any question. And, I, and that is the truth. And I, I kind of laugh a little bit. I don't get I don't mock anybody like they used to mock us all the time, which we're, you know, guys like Arena and I would say, look, we just want to look at the uh, the finances a little bit closer. They should be more transparent. Um whatever it might be, you know, this program could save 10 million here, 20 million there. Um, and I, I'm, I'm actually glad a lot of the, a lot of people are looking and scrutinizing those dollars, but uh, yes, there is COVID funds coming in, but we're not unlike any other city in the United States that, um, you know, has uh, a large labor force. Um, you know, with, we have the CFL that we've worked with. I think they've been at the table. The CFL has been a great partner in everything that the mayor has been doing. Um, you know, one of the guys from SCIU is now her, uh, top labor, uh, person. And, you know, I think having those kind of folks inside city hall has been a great thing. It really helps a lot of aldermen out to understand that, you know, we're, we are moving in that right direction. So, yeah, I mean, I don't mind his criticism, but he's got to be speaking with the right set of facts. So, uh, I don't think he is there, but the investments that we're getting from the federal government, um, it is true without those investments, uh, you know, hey, without COVID, we'd still be uh, in a difficult space. But we are here. The mayor is hearing and listening to people and putting the money where progressives have asked for it to be. Um, I mean, we could talk about around the edges, like should there be more going a little bit more going to one pocket versus another? Uh, that might be true, but you have to have a, a balance. Without a balance, you know, you can't swing one way or the other. I'm happy to see it swinging in the direction of mental health services, affordable housing. Um, and she's also tackling the issues of uh, aldermanic prerogative. She's tackling the issues of, you know, longstanding problems within the machine um, operation of government. And it takes, you know, if it's been going one way for 40, 50 years, it's hard to change that around. Uh, the CFL uh, that uh, Scott alluded to says Chicago Federation of Labor. And I just want to point out they're a sponsor of this show. Thank you very much, Bob Ryder. Um, 
you mentioned metal, uh, mental health services. Uh, is there any chance, Scott, that they're going to reopen the, the six facilities that Mayor Rahm uh, foolishly, I guess that's really a not even strong enough word, uh, stupidly, some would say, uh, closed in his first budget back in 2011? Yeah, I don't I don't think they are in this budget. Um, that's been brought up by several aldermen. And I think what they're trying to do is bolster the existing clinics and then continue to fund the neighborhood organizations and, and drive the funding, um, not just to the FQHCs, but what a lot of aldermen have said is there's a lot of community organizations out there who have people doing this kind of work on the ground and they want to see more money going to those community organizations. So um, this year, I think we're seeing like almost 90 million to mental health services to those areas. And we need to build on that. But I don't think Oh, they're going to reopen those mental, those six mental health clinics. The key for us when the year after we voted on that, and that was a bad vote for me too, because they had promised like every one of those 3000 people that utilize those services are going to be put into those other clinics. And then in the year after we found out almost none of those people were, they just fell through the cracks. And I think CDPH, um, you know, we've, we've changed the health board too. We modernized the health board for the first time and decades. Um, they have people coming from the neighborhoods that are going to serve on that board. That was a modernization thing that the mayor did. I fully supported that because it brought people from the community to serve on that board. Um, and they're the ones who are going to try to pinpoint where we need, where the needs are the most and get those funds there. So I think it's going in the right direction. We just need to continue to fund it, especially coming out of COVID. I mean, you know, there's definitely a lot of people who need these services coming out of the pandemic where we've been locked uh, into ourselves for a long time. Well, to this point of uh, the, the clinics, um, a lot of the lefties come on my show, uh, say that the city should be tougher with the banks uh, and not use the spend so much money paying the uh, fees uh, uh, on the debt and instead use that money to do things like reopen uh, the clinics. And you've been on the outside looking in on this issue uh, for many years, Scott, talking about, in fact, I interviewed you many times about the amount of money, the debt structuring that the city of Chicago has and the amount of money we pay in interest and how that money, if it wasn't being paid in interest to the banks, could go for other programs. Now that you're a, a chair of the finance committee, has it changed your worldview about this particular issue? Do you think Chicago is spending too much money on interest? Well, they, we were. Um, we were because we had bad practices and we just kept um, doing the long term refinancing and kicking the can down the road with scoop and toss. Scoop and toss started under daily. It became worse and worse over the years. Uh, to be honest, I think Rahm in his last term tried to start to turn that ship a little bit. And we saw in the last, I think his last year, they were they were really focused on trying to get rid of scoop and toss and, and phase it out. Um, so there's there's a couple things there. One, the municipal depositories ordinance, I mentioned that we held it up for a whole year. And within that, we're working with the comptroller, uh, Rishma Sony, and my staff and, and Harry Osterman and others to basically say, we're putting more uh, parameters on data, transparency, and what banks are forced to give us, hopefully in, so that we can get pull more information out of them about where they're um, putting mortgages into the city, which neighborhoods, and really get more transparency around that because of the the lack of 
investments by them into communities, black and brown communities, communities of color. So we have made a significant change there. The other area that we've made significant changes is in the audits. And we've said we want um, uh, half of the people working on the audits to be people of color um, so that we can get more people who understand that um, these services are, uh, there are people that can do these services, but to be uh, more focused on equity issues. The third area is looking at these bond deals. So in one year, we went from uh, low teens and the Black Caucus and the Latino Caucus were asking this for years. And I sat there many years and I would say, hey, let's hold up this deal at the airport or let's hold up this bond deal. You guys have enough votes to do it. But the pressure from Daily or Rom always flipped people and the votes, again, were always you know 48 to 2 or something like that. Um, what we've done is basically with the mayor, the mayor's directive was get us up to 50 plus percent. And we are there in the first year. So we've got the lawyers, the underwriters, the finance firms doing a lot of this work at 50 plus percent so that equity is shared there. And within that, more transparency about our interest rates. So if we sat there and said, um, you know, we're improving our finances overall, we have more equity. Um, if, if we're getting rid of scoop and toss, which they're doing, and we're paying off more of our debt, our interest rates are gonna go down. Our ratings are gonna hopefully go up, which they're, they're creeping up right now with what we're doing. We're pumping more money in. We had, you know, our largest, two largest things that we have to pay into are the pensions and our debt. And until we knock that down, we, we can't really do a lot of the things we want to. So um, to be honest, if you sit there and you say, we're not gonna pay the banks back, and that's just our, gonna be our policy, you know what they're going to do to us. They're just going to say default. And there's nothing that prevents them from saying default to a municipality. You know, we can't declare bankruptcy. We can't just tell banks, no, you can't tell the bank, no, I'm not going to pay my, I mean, I guess you could say I'm not going to pay my mortgage. Um, but what happens next? Or you're not going to pay your car back. What happens next? You know, the collectors come, you default. Same thing happens with government. Your ratings would go down. You'll be paying more every time you borrow because you're paying higher interest. So we, we don't have that luxury of just saying, screw the banks, we're not going to pay them. We have to work at them in other venues and other um, methods, and that's what we're doing. It's, um, I feel very uh, a bizarre saying about what I'm about to say, but uh, Donald Trump operated a little differently when he came to banks. He was always saying to the banks, I, uh, uh, you know, that's how he built Trump Tower in the city of Chicago, Scott. Isn't that guy going to jail pretty soon, though? (laughs) I mean, or he's going to run for, uh, he's running for president or something. President. Oh, my goodness. Look what he did to our country. What's that? I mean, you don't want that kind of method of operation, period. And I, and I get where the progressives are going with it. I've talked to my colleagues like Daniel Espada and others and, Look, you know, there's a lot of things that we can do to, to change the, the way things have been going for decades. We have to change the Illinois Constitution. We have to change federal laws, too. But we are holding banks feet to the fire in different ways and slowly building up on that. You know, you mentioned your progressive and then you saw talking about Danny Laspata. Uh, he's actually a, uh, a Democratic Socialist. And the world and city council has changed since uh, Lori Lightfoot, uh, the last municipal election. You have people to the left of the Progressive Caucus, and you yeah. have people to the right of the mayor. Oh, yeah. And uh, Andre Vasquez was talking about this when he was on the show from last year's budget. And he felt that, um, uh, and I'm paraphrasing, 
that he and Maria Haddon uh, were able to encourage, let's put that word euphemistically, uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot to move a little bit toward the left and move away from what uh, aldermen in the northwest side, southwest side, the conservative aldermen like the, Mike Napolitano and Jim Gardner and uh, O'Shea uh, were advocating. And so, like, the terrain is a lot different politically, uh, he was explaining in the city council right now. And there's like a conservative faction that, if you don't watch, uh, could bring the mayor to the right. How do you see it? How do you see the the situation in the city council? Do you agree with uh, Andre's analysis? No, not really. I don't think she gives much credit to uh, guys like Gardner and Napolitano in terms of like, hey, here's what we want to do. And, and you either it's either our way or the highway. Um, I think she's challenged them on a lot of the, well, hopefully we'll challenge them on some of the issues that they've brought up. Um, I think listening to... Well, well, I mean, frankly, um, I'm in a position where I can try to influence them whenever I can. And I think that's where you see in her uh, in her committee chairs um, that, you know, some of them were there before. I wasn't. But I think I would hope that they listen to me every once in a while and that there's a there's a, a lean towards the progressive side of things. Um I don't necessarily know if she was sort of just hanging out over there with with the right. I think she's always been looking at everybody and saying, what what is it that you want to hear uh, or I mean, um, bring to the table and, and what can we do to to work that in? Um, you know, a lot of people were upset with the CFL and last year's budget and they were going to vote against the budget, even the CF, even though Bob Ryder was saying, hey, we're saving jobs and, you know, they're putting money into the pensions. What are you guys doing? So there were there were a lot of people on that last year budget who were prepared to just tell the CFL, um, yeah, labor doesn't matter in this one. Um, so I don't know. There's there's all, there's always a balance, but I, I tend to see it having known what Daly and Rom did. There's a lot more listening going on here than than I've ever seen before. Well, I think yeah. Now you're bringing back memories of last year's budget, but as I recall, there was a. Uh, a demand from the northwest and southwest side, Alderman O'Shea, Napolitano, for more police, more money uh, to spend hiring police. Uh, and That's always there. Yeah, and that's what Andre was talking about. Like, if the mayor might have gone in that direction, uh, but he and Maria pulled her... Uh, well, listen, he's, he's telling it his way, and, he's, and when he tells it his way, he's the man, all right? Okay. He's <laughs> uh, a Ricky Alderman from the 40th Ward. Uh, so, but the point is, is that, and I agree with the, the larger point that Andre's making, that there's political pressure ideologically, which I didn't see in past administrations. Like a guy like Raylo, I don't recall him speaking out ideologically in opposition to Mayor Rahm on things like policing issues, law enforcement issues, the way he has with Lori Lightfoot. Yeah, it's uh, the same, it's, it's the I same things, yeah. Yeah, I can't remember Matt O'Shea in a million years saying anything. And even old boy down in the 13th Ward, uh, Michael Madigan's guy, Quinn, that guy never oh, said yeah. anything. Now suddenly right. he's Patrick Henry. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I just got to laugh, Scotty. I'm like, uh, where were you guys when Carlos Ramirez Rosa needed a little assistance? Okay. That's true. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Oh, um, but that's, you know, that's that's good, though. And I, I do agree. You know, it's always helpful to have the push from – from these different angles. 
uh, taught, but ha look, I remember daily, I was PNG to commissioners. You, you as a commissioner were not allowed to talk to me um, back in the day. And that is not true today. The aldermen speak to all the commissioners. They speak to the staff. There's a lot of back and forth and there's a lot of relationships that have been built, even with this, this new crop of progressives that uh, I often say to them, look guys, the doors are open. You just have no idea. And that's not to say we were, oh, you know, you shouldn't, you shouldn't do what you're doing because we didn't have it in the past. I'm glad it's this way that it is more open. All right, let's uh, shift gears a little bit before we uh, close it down. And we got to talk about, I mentioned Gardner. We got to get back to him. Alderman Jim Gardner, 45th Ward, rookie alderman, defeated your uh, good friend and colleague, uh, John Arena, in 2019. Uh, and um, how do I put this? He was caught, I suppose. That's the word. Uh, his private text revealing all sorts of uh, derogatory comments uh, to w various women throughout the city uh, were revealed, published including text against uh, Ann Emerson, I already mentioned this, uh, top aide to the Finance Committee, who came on the show about a week ago. Uh, and then Gardner, I don't get this, he called you to apologize. He didn't call Ann, he called you. Like, like you're the dad, and he's, I'm sorry, dad, for what I said about your daughter. Kind of thought it was really weird. Uh, subsequently, he did a full apology. Why don't you take it from there, Scott, and... Well, I, I basically told him, look, you, you know, you have a daughter that you're going to have to explain all these things that you've said and done um, to your constituents, to your daughter in some future year, you know, when she's beyond one year. But you need to call my staff and apologize. You need to call Ann. You need to call Joanne. It wasn't about me. It was about his cultural problems with women and the way he attacked them. I mean, he made a joke about a jacket or something. I didn't even care about that. But to me, it, it's this broader culture that we've seen um, against women. Uh, and it was pretty clear from those texts that's what was happening. But I also saw it in the constituency issues. And that was a bigger problem because not serving your constituents or deliberately saying that you're gonna withhold services or threaten them or whatever it might be, that's the bigger problem. And I think that's why we saw the FBI looking into it, um, the inspector general, you know, uh, you can get up there and you can apologize about your comments you made, but there's there's some of those things that obviously from the other several indictments that we've seen of city council members are very problematic, not just for, you know, um, the phrases used, but for the constituents and for government in general. So what about his apology that he made to the full council last week? Uh, did you find that? Were you convinced by it? Uh, I'm not even sure why the, he was, you know, speaking. Um, I, I suppose it was okay, but really that should have gone to, uh, you know, a park or something in the in the 45th Ward and stand before the constituents who've been protesting and tell them I'm sorry and then open up that office so it's not, um, you know, you can't come in here type thing. So I think there's a lot more that needs to be done. And you know, it's going to be, it's either up to him or the, it's up to the constituents actually to see if they want to have him, um, you know, in two years. And then the other matter uh, that I give you credit for speaking out on, uh, a little disappointed, more aldermen haven't spoken out on about it. It's the ongoing uh, scandal at the park district uh, regarding the se sexual harassment and in some cases accusations of assault on uh, women lifeguards. It's the, the story broke 
Well, let me back up. Uh, was a it, uh, about a year ago? There was an initial um, whistleblower letter from a woman lifeguard to uh, Mike Kelly explaining what was happening. Uh, Mike Kelly promised her that he would look into it immediately, and he sat on it for six weeks. Got six freaking weeks, uh, and then finally, a second whistleblower sent uh, a letter uh, to the mayor's office. The mayor's office forwarded that to Mike Kelly. So suddenly he had two whistleblower reports, and it was at that point that he sent the matter over to the inspector general's office of the park district to investigate. And we're talking about uh, accusations of assault. Uh, and, yeah, um, a, they weren't even they were whistleblowers, but they were the actual victims. And um, we're talking sexual assault of of uh, minors. We're talking sexual harassment, widespread uh, cover up. Um, you know, the mayor sent it back over and said, what are you doing about this? Um, she thought when I put in for the inspector general of the city to help investigate because the OIG who uh, conveniently resigned when uh, we found out more ethical, serious ethical violations about her prior work at Cook County um, within the juvenile justice system there where she had an affair with somebody um, that she was supposed to be investigating. And obviously that didn't happen. That kind of blew the doors off this thing. But the, the big thing for me was Nathan Kipp, who was the deputy inspector general over there. Here's a guy who's investigating. He writes a report. It's available online. The report, the, the initial report is available on the Park District website. All your listeners can go over there and take a look at it. And it, it starts to set the tone for where this investigation is going to go. Lo and behold, um, they bring on uh, some other lawyers. They, they, they massage this thing. Um, it's going on for over a year and a half now. And uh, they fire Nathan Kipp, the deputy inspector general, because he's saying, this thing is massive. We're talking about managers, assistant managers. We're talking about a cover-up and, and scandal. Um, and, you know, there's, there's a lot of other stuff going on there. WBZ, Dan Mahalopoulos, has done the best job of in, not just investigating, but doing a timeline, which is available on WBZ. I, I suggest everybody go look at it because this is an endemic problem, not just in society, but definitely in the lifeguard system and aquatics and the pools. Your kid who might be swimming at the pool, your kid who might want to be a lifeguard, this is not going away by brushing it aside and saying, we're going to massage some of the end, end, edges of uh, our policies here. I, I had a meeting, um, and I've had Michelle Smith uh, with me on this whole thing. Um, there, ben, there are problems within the whole process of, the, of not just the investigation now that Kip has been fired. Um, and he's, you know he's got a direct retaliation claim against him right there. He was trying to say, we've got a serious, a bigger problem here. And they cut him off at the legs. And he's the only guy who was trying to get this thing out other than Dan Mehalopoulos. Now I look at it and I say, we need the help of the IG. It's now gone over to the Cook County state's attorney for the sex crimes unit. Um, perhaps the FBI might get involved because we had tampering with witnesses, but the whole thing is, a culture that's been going on there for years and years and decades. And if we don't put a stop to it, our children and future lifeguards could still be in, uh, put in a situation um, that they've been for the last few decades, which is completely wrong. I Just pause, folks, just to think about what Scott said. I, I can't believe I forgot that part. The guy, the investigator, Kip, who was investigating, he's the one who got fired. 
only in Chicago. Only in Chicago. Only and I, you know, I had a meeting and I, I honestly, I've said, I think uh, the superintendent, a lot of staff down below are all culpable in this thing. The, the board, which has said virtually nothing. Um, they went and hired a new IG without any input from anybody else. They weren't telling the mayor what was going on. They were telling her everything's okay. And then she's uh, getting caught up in this thing. And, you know, the worst thing that I heard about this whole thing was that um, someone up at the top there, you know, mentioning that it was nothing but uh, disenchanted staff and sour grapes. And I almost bit my lip off because I have never been so disgusted hearing something like that when young girls are being attacked, raped, um, assaulted, harassed, and everybody gets let go. Everybody gets to either resign or walk away from these jobs or get a little suspension. And the only guy getting fired is the guy doing the investigation. It is outlandish. It's wrong. And it, you know, it's typical of Chicago, but it's a sister agency. So they kind of sit off there on their own and, and decide to do their own thing. But it's something that, you know, we're still hounding away at. I want to see massive change there. I want to see a lot of people gone um, because they're part of the culture and their their culture will not change as long as those people are there. And the, all the policies have to change, too. And I brought just before I came up to this, I was sitting in with our HR department and I said, I asked them the question, um, what do you do with these sister agencies to get us up to the highest standards and practices of HR around sexual harassment and our policies around that? And the answer was, you know, we try to work together with these people. We try to get to the highest standards, but it's got to come from the mayor. Um, she's going to have to make the next moves to get this done. And if that means firing people, then so be it. But it has to be a massive approach to this thing um, to to put an end to that, not only at the lifeguard situation, but throughout any department where we see this happening. Scott, your humble opinion, does uh, Superintendent Mike Kelly, does he have to go? Uh you know, I uh, to this point, I've held back on saying this, but I've watched as the, you know, the OIG Lane Little was let go quietly on a Friday. Um, they brought somebody on very quickly who was the prior one who, um, to be honest, hadn't ever found this to be a problem. Um, and yes, they have a new investigator on it, but until Nathan Kipp is rehired and Nathan Kipp is put back in, I think other people should be let go, including the superintendent. I'm with you on that one. And uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot, if you're listening, you got the bully pulpit on this. So you could really, you're the, the most powerful voice in the city uh, right now. And if you uh, use that voice and directed it, this is me speaking, not Scott. If you use that voice and directed it at the park district, it'd be sort of like when you came out strong against Eddie Johnson at the police department. Uh, so it's a powerful voice. And I hope we hear you uh, using it loud and clear in this because this is a disgrace. Yeah, uh, it's not. Ben, it's not just one person, though. It's it's a lot of people who've who've uh, been culpable with this whole thing. And there there, you know, there needs to be sort of a, a up and down look. And I think Kip was the only one doing that. And I think that's why he was fired, because they realized this guy's actually doing his job. Yeah, I'll, he's gotta, I'm with he's you. Be let go. I, 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 this one struck me. We talked about it on the show and I love you, Nick. You know, I love you, Nick Spizzato, for the ornament of the uh uh, 38th Ward. But when they had the committee hearings for the new Park District uh, board members, yeah, and uh, somebody was asking them about it, Nick was trying to protect them, saying, they're not on the board now, so don't ask them about it. And I'm like, no, Nick, 
there has to be a change at the park district and the people who it's a, an appointed board system. The mayor appoints, makes appointments that are they're approved by the city council and the new board appointees have to address this matter and just take a stand publicly that they wouldn't, you know, uh, go along. That's, a, that's actually a better point to take a stand. Are you going to take a stand against sexual harassment or assault of minors? Or are you going to say, well, if there was something wrong there? Well, holy smokes. I mean, I was able to find the, the board report. It's right there in front of everybody. It says it happened. And the three individuals who they know of that committed the first three acts, not to mention dozens of others, dozens of people involved here, those three guys were allowed to walk away. One of them was on the do not hire list for CPS because he had assaulted minors before that. This is what is outlandish about this whole thing. And I get fired up about it because those board members who got up there that were getting appointed were sort of like, well, if, you know, we'll take a look or whatever. But it's like, wait a minute, didn't you just read the report? Take a stand. Take a stand for these girls and boys who were assaulted. Because if you don't, you know, it's obvious there's other people over there who aren't going to do it. No, that's that old Chicago mentality. Uh, you just go along. Uh, all right. Uh, since we're talking about Chicago mentalities and going along, we'll close with this. Uh, we already alluded to uh, the infamous 2011 budget of Mayor Rahm, an embarrassment to the city of Chicago. I know, Scott, you agree with me on that. Uh, yeah, 2012, I think it was. But it was 2012. Right. Yeah. The mental uh, health clinics. Yes. I, I want to, you know what, I think I'm, I'm going to make a bet uh, lunch at the restaurant of your choice that that actual budget vote came down in November of 2011. Oh, okay. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, For the 2020 or 2012 budget. You're right. Yeah. So uh, anyway, all right. The point is the backdrop to that was redistricting and the city council was of all the wards <laughs> are about to redistrict it. And, and that was the little squeeze that Mayor Rob. Uh, yeah, you want your seat? You got to agree with me to close mental health clinics in high crime areas. What a mayor. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you voted for him, Chicago. Uh, all right. Uh, so what role do you think redistricting will be playing? It's going to happen as well next year. Will, what role do you think redistricting will play in this budget process? Well, it's uh, it did come up with the Board of Elections just now. And to give you a quick recap of our hearing just uh, just before I got on the show, it was uh, board of Elections and then HR, um, they did talk about um, they have more money in their budget to make sure that voters get notified of those new borders that would go into place um, at hopefully at the end of this year. So the Latino caucus, the Black caucus, they've already started drawing up all their maps. Some of us have looked at our maps, but they definitely have um, hundreds of thousands of dollars to do notifications to people as those boundaries get redrawn. And um, the mayor's kind of the mayor's pretty much stayed out of this. I remember uh, the back room back in that day, 10 years ago, was Dick Mel, Ed Burke, Pat O'Connor running the show. And um, Ron was upstairs and they were sort of, you know, there was an elevator going back and forth. Uh, how do you want these boundaries drawn? You know, do you want Lincoln Yards um, to get, you know, carved out? Don't let don't let Scott have any of it. Um, I, and those were a little quirky things, but um I think this year you see the mayor saying, hey, you know, you guys work your thing. We'll make sure we have the budget there to transfer. I've already talked to several people and said, you know, we can't have the shenanigans that we had last time. We have to have very clear ordinances that say which date everything transfers over for zoning changes and all that. But so far, Alderman seem to be working pretty well together. Um, 
we we've had one public hearing last week and we're supposed to have three more, I believe. Um, we have the independent maps. Um, we have MALDEF. I've heard might be drawing their own map, depending on what the Latino caucus does. But um, it seems to be, a, you know, there, there's probably border disputes, but a lot more at ease between um, the full council so far. Just folks, think about what he said in 2011 in the back room drawing the map. Dick Mel, Patrick O'Connor, and Ed Burke. What a rogues gallery. And they're <laughs> sending up messages to Rom, who's wheeling and dealing. And I'm going to disagree with you, Scott, on your choice of words. It wasn't a quirky little thing to take uh, Lincoln Yards out of your ward. Had oh, they, Lincoln Yards stayed in your ward, it would have been a different situation. But yeah. they intentionally took it out of your ward because they knew that you would be a voice of independence on that and their little tiff handout wouldn't sail through and it ended up being brian hopkins and there's a big difference between autumn and brian hopkins running the show and autumn and scott waggis back and i'm just gonna I, say I that yeah. right now okay <laughs> now i don't know if you could have killed the lincoln yards deal which is a disgrace and debacle that's causing the taxpayers a lot of money for no real good reason but you may have been forced them to scale back the, the amount of handout. Uh, yeah, it wasn't just the TIF. Remember, they got the cut rate deal on the fleet facility, you know, which we needed We needed uh, for logistics. I mean, if there's ever a massive snow, uh, I don't know, a tsunami, a lake tsunami, whatever, you know, um, you, you want fleet facilities near to different areas of the city so you can work out of. And for, for us, there was a lot of other issues there that just got overlooked or run rammed through, rammed over. So you're right. I just said, let's get those garbage trucks on the South side so we can open up this land for development on the North side. Welcome to Chicago. Yep. All right, Scott, uh, I want to thank you for taking the time. You're obviously a lot busier these days than you were when I first met you in 2007. Yeah. It's a uh, uh, finance committee. You know, I was going to say we cut our staff pretty dramatically, uh, as you know. You know, um, we moved over workers' comp, so I'm working with basically about three or four people versus, I don't know, dozens. Um, but we're getting the work done. It's just uh, a lot more time and effort. And um, but I think we're doing, uh, if I could say, I think we're doing a pretty good job, and we're we've really tried to open this up to in a way that hasn't been for several decades. All right, let's get a prediction from you then. How many yes votes for this year's budget? Uh, I would say at least 40. Dang, maybe, 40? Maybe 40, 40 to 45. <laughs> all right, 40 to 45. There's, and, there's uh, still a lot to work around the edges, but I think Aldermen are, are saying, you know, where can we do a little bit more um, on some of the issues? Uh, but a lot of this stuff is also coming with, different programs where we're seeing investments in South and West, you know, so if aldermen are, are getting the funding they need and we're pushing it away from the North side, um, we might see some change there. Well, the, the only reason I want a 40 to 45 vote, I'll, well, the, not the only reason, but the main reason, because I want to see Pat O'Connor's next article in the sun Times. I love it. They always go to Pat O'Connor, the bright one, like after a vote, it's like 27 to 22 or whatever and pat o'connor's like well in our day we got 48 you know, we knew how to do it. I'm like oh man <laughs> cut it out dude your day was the parking meter okay you proud of that vote your day was the lincoln yard handout you proud of that vote anyway sorry about that scott oh no i remember <laughs> i still have the scars from all those readings yeah. 
But you probably read those articles where Pat O'Connor's going, you know, we got 45 votes. And <laughs> well, remember, too, on the council floor, they always kind of knew. They always did a good job of counting their votes. And um, they knew who the holdouts were. So they would they would either look at maybe Arena or I or <laughs> look at me. And um, you remember the commentary. You always remember the commentary. Oh, yeah. They're mocking you for, you know one particular vote. And I, and I tell the mayor, uh, I've told other people, I'm like, you know, don't, you shouldn't say anything bad about people who are voting no when they, when they're taking a policy stand or a, a personal stand on issues. Um, just let them vote that way. And, um, and that's the way it should be. You know, if they've got an, an issue with it, let them do it. Um, you know, having gone through that pain for several years before that, I can attest to it, but, um, Try to try to be fair and try to let people vote their conscience. That's a good uh, spot to end it, Scott. Thank you very much for taking the time to come on the show. I'm putting up with my my microphone. I hope you could hear my questions. You seem to respond to my questions, so I guess the the microphone worked well enough for you to Just hear. Just enough, it. yeah. Just enough. Here I am in Los Angeles, beautiful downtown LA. I'm going to put my shades on and go hang out. Uh, so thank you very much, Scott Waggisback, and welcome, I hope sir. to talk to you real soon. All right. Thank you very much. All right, that's Scott Wagsback, alderman of the 32nd Ward, uh, chairman of the Finance Committee. A lot of interesting comments he had made somehow or other. Nate and I staggered through this show. I don't know how. Between my voice, which seemed I seem to be losing, I don't know why, and my microphone, which isn't really working, I don't know why. Uh, it's The odds are against us, but we prevailed. Uh, so, Nate, great job. I want to give a shout-out to Dr. D, who's uh, taking the day off. I think he's playing in a golf tournament somewhere just made that up i have no idea what he's doing i just know he took the day off let's just say he's playing golf dr d loves golf ladies and gentlemen uh but he'll be back tomorrow but i think that uh uh dr d and uh scott Wagusback would agree that dj nate did a great great job sitting in for him uh and so uh dr d and scott Wagusback will say nate give yourself a raise take it out of petty cash see you tomorrow everybody <laughs>